Thank you, thank you. It's so good to be here at Front Range Church. Uh, I'm here with my family too, which is even more exciting for me. My wife Lisa and my three kids. You guys wave to everybody. Y'all say hi to hi to my, my family. They're just awesome. We've been in San Diego. Uh, we we did a vacation. We house swapped with some friends in San Diego. That is the way to do it. It was awesome. Uh, but but we're part of the Front Range family. In fact, this is family. Uh, I got Jeff and Sherry, my uncle. Somebody asked earlier if uh, Jeff, if you were my brother, and uh, that really hurt me. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but Jeff and Sherry, uh, my, my uncle and aunt, and then I've got, my family was originally, both my parents are from Colorado, and uh, my aunt Christy and Jeff and their family came out to support me today. So it feels great to be with you. So many of you uh, on the team at Front Range uh, were part of the Seacoast family, and so honored to be here and excited to be here. I want to honor Pastor Ernest. I know he's been on a, a sabbatical, a break, and uh, he'll be back in a couple of weeks, but he's a great friend of mine. Ernest and I got saved around the same time, gave our lives to Jesus around the same time in Charleston. We came on staff at Seacoast uh, the same summer of 2001 and have been great friends ever since. And uh, man, this church is just amazing. Uh, we had the chance to come out for the launch day uh, over seven years ago and to see what God is doing through Front Range. Uh, we're just honored to be a part. And uh, if you're new today, uh, you're in a healthy community of faith. In fact, you may not know this, but dozens of people showed up in the early morning hours today to make sure that the children's classrooms would be set up, that there were chairs set up to serve you guys. Could you guys give it up for those that serve here at Front Range? So grateful for the way that you guys do that. And um, if you are new or maybe you've been coming for a little bit but you haven't connected yet, I can say this because I get to leave as soon as I'm done. Uh, but, but man, I'm telling you, post-COVID, it's great to be back together. But it's been a huge challenge for my church, for most churches in the country, to see people get back involved in serving on the dream team. And so, man, if you've been thinking about a way to get connected here at Front Range, you're going to find community, you're going to discover your purpose, you're going to grow in your faith, and you're going to do all of those things at an accelerated pace if you'll jump in and just be part of the team. Uh, whether that's, you know, hanging out with kids in the, the kids' rooms or being able to lift up some stuff to put some stuff away after service, we'd love to have you join and be a part of the team. You can talk to Johnny or one of the team members if you want to do that. But I'm excited to be with you this weekend. We're in a series right now where we're studying the book of Colossians. And uh, it's been great. I loved I went back and watched the messages and Addison and Jeff last week. Great uh, sermon. You talked about a plate, Addison, last week. And it made me think about how I want to frame our time together today. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, which is a phenomenal passage of scripture. And my wife and I, we love date nights. Uh, we, we're, we're always going on date nights. Charleston has great food. That's why all of these people that came from Charleston, they're skinny now. They weren't when they left Charleston. It's hard to be skinny in Charleston. That's great food. And, and what we'll do, it even happened this week in San Diego, we'll see something on somebody else's plate. Do any of you do this? And then you'll, you'll talk to your server and say, hey, what are they having? Because they've got something on their plate that looks like it could make my life better. It looks like, it looks like I need that. And, and if we're feeling especially social, we may get up and go ask them, hey, what, do you eat? what did you order? That looks phenomenal. My wife will sometimes just say, hey, can I have a bite? Uh, I want to figure out, I've got a big decision in front of me, right? But you see something on somebody else's plate that you know could enrich your life in some way. And, and as I think about Colossians 3 and what we're going to talk about today, I want us to think about what is on our plate, so to speak, our spiritual plate, and is it something that the people around us would go, hey, what do you have there? In fact, I titled the sermon, because I'm not very creative, I titled the sermon, what do you have there? 
well, what is that? What is it that you have there? Because I don't know if it's just in Charleston. It may not be this way here, but, but I believe that the community of faith has a little bit of a reputation problem. A lot of people are known in the community of faith for the things that they're against rather than what they're for. The, 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 they're known for taking, you know, just not necessarily being the nicest people. And, and as we look at Colossians chapter 3, we'll see that is not anywhere in line with who God has called us to be. We know that the, the book was written to the church in Colossae, a town that Paul had never visited up to that point, but they had some, some heresy issues. And I love Jeff and Addison, both you talked about how, man, we do too, if we're being real honest. Uh, we, if, if we line up our beliefs with, with Scripture, oftentimes we find ourselves not in alignment. And, and Paul is bringing them into alignment. And in chapter 3, he just gets so practical to just say, man, here's what that life ought to look like. And so let's look at Colossians 3. I'm going to read starting in verses 9 through 17, and then we'll come back and pick up some of the ones that we missed later in the message. Think of today as a midsummer spiritual check-in. How am I doing? What, what do I have there? What's going, what, what am I offering that the world around me would either want to stay away from or, or want a little bit more of because, because I got something that could enrich their lives. Colossians 3, 9 through 17. He says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. He paints a picture. You used to be one way, but in Christ, as we come to this point of revelation of saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender me being the driver's seat to me getting in the passenger seat and let God drive. He says, man, you're being renewed now into something new. He says, here, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. I think if he were talking to us today, he would say Republican, Democrat, color of our skin, gender, all of that stuff. It's not that it's not important, but in the new creation, it all pales compared to the identity that we have in Christ. He says, Christ is all and in all. Then verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns like we did this morning, spiritual songs, and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, I would add on Sunday or on Tuesday, on Saturday night, whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. Lord, what a, a, an incredible challenge, just even those, those few scriptures that we just read can often feel even unattainable. But God, I pray that today as we look into your word, as we evaluate our own lives in light of your word, that you would just do what only you can do, that you would connect the dots to what's said from this platform to, to Lord, what you want us to hear in our own spirits. Lord, that, that people wouldn't hear from me, but they would leave having had an encounter with you. 
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so what, do you, what do you got there? Three questions for us as we look at what we just read together. Normally, preachers, we love three points, and I would give you three you know, creative, pithy points. But today, I felt like God just wanted me to ask you three questions that all of us would just evaluate on our own between us and God, maybe together as, as community, whether that's a, a family. But, but how are we doing on these things? And the first question in light of the scripture is this. What are you wearing? What, what are you wearing? Now, some of you are kind of checking things out. I'm not, I'm not talking about what you're physically wearing, but what are you wearing spiritually? See, this passage of scripture is really specific about some, some things about our spiritual wardrobe that we need to wear, but it also talks about some things that we shouldn't wear a few, a few verses before. Uh, and I don't know if any of you would be honest enough to admit it, but are there any of you, let's say guys that are here today, and maybe back then, whenever then was, there were some things that you loved to wear that maybe you got married in my case, and my wife helped me see those don't need to belong in my wardrobe anymore. Anybody have a testimony on that? Some of those clothes, right? There, there's some things. You've looked back at pictures, right? And you've been like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Like that, that maybe it worked well in that decade, but it doesn't work well anymore in this decade. And Paul lays out some things that in the old life, like pre-Christ and when maybe, maybe they, they, they did okay with you, but they don't look good anymore. And we need to get rid of some things out of our wardrobe that just don't wear well anymore. And, and he, he goes over a few of those things in Colossians 3, 5 through 9. He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking within you. And then he goes through a list of things. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time, and he, he gives us another list of things, to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Man, he goes through a list that if we're all being honest, nobody gets unscathed by the list that he just went through. I don't know if you, you're like me. When I read a list like this in scripture of things that we shouldn't do, I take the worst ones. How do you know they're the worst ones? They're the ones that you don't struggle with. And I feel good about myself because I don't struggle with the worst ones, right? But man, you read through a list like that and you go, okay, get rid of sexual immorality. Maybe you feel like you're doing okay there. But then he goes deeper. What about lust? What about the, the thoughts, the impure thoughts in our heart? There are some of us that maybe would go, man, I, I don't deal with rage. But hey, could you pray for Susie? Because man, she's been cheating on her husband and it's about, you know, we couch it in, Christians like to couch gossip and slander and prayer requests. I don't know if that, your small groups probably don't do that. Just the ones that, in Charleston, they like to do that sometimes, right? And so if we're just being honest and just read through a list like that of immorality and impurity and lustful thoughts and greed, oh gosh, I don't know about you, but I'm the center of my own universe most of the time. It can be very greedy. Our language, slander, anger, rage. Man, that list if, if it doesn't touch you at all, you need to trade places with me and get up here. Because for me, I get hit by some of those things on that list. So, so Paul's saying, hey, those are part of your old nature. 
and they just don't look good on you anymore. <laughs> like you're gonna look back at pictures, that time when you were so bitter and angry and you're gonna go, I can't believe I wore that. I can't believe I, I held on to that. So what do we do with it? Well, he says, put it to death. The language there, the King James Version says, mortify those things. He doesn't say just maybe put them off for another day. He says, we have to take it really, really seriously. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about an animal that we have. I love coming out to Colorado and looking at your wildlife. We have an animal in Charleston that I don't know that you have here. It's called a palmetto bug. I think I've got a picture of a palmetto bug. Have you guys seen these before? Palmetto bug, calling it a palmetto bug, that's like putting lipstick on a pig. It's a cockroach. It's disgusting. But in Charleston, you can't get away from them. I don't, I don't care if you live in a mansion or if you live in a tent, you're going to encounter palmetto bugs at some point in your journey. Am I right, Jeff and Sherry? You guys remember these. You don't miss them, right? And Lisa will attest when, when a palmetto bug comes, if one of my kids sees it or if Lisa does, they immediately call my name, Josh, there's a bug, and I know the expectation. It's not to relocate that bug to another room so that it won't deal with it. Uh, us in, in this moment. It's not to kind of deal with it later because if you don't act quickly, it's gone. And then you're lying in bed at two o'clock in the morning wondering when it's going to cr- climb across the sheets onto your face. I have a testimony on that. <laughs> what do you do with the palmetto bug? You kill it. You want to see its guts smeared across whatever surface it's on. And it's nasty at times. It requires some cleanup and it's the same with our own lives. When we see these issue surface. I'm not saying deal, dealing with them is, is pretty or clean all the time. Sometimes it's really hard to deal with things like unforgiveness. It may even require some counseling. It may require some help of a community group that you're walking through life with, but you can't afford to put it away for later because it's going to come back. Like the great theologian, Andy Minio, Christian rapper, he said, when you bury your emotions, you bury them alive. They always come back later on in your life. They do. We can't put them away for another day. Paul says, hey, you got to get rid of some of those things. That letter jacket that I used to wear in high school, Lisa won't let me wear it anymore. It had to go. Like it just, it had to disappear. And, and so I would just ask you, when you think about your wardrobe right now, the emotions, the behaviors, the habits, what needs to go? What have you been wearing that just doesn't look good on you anymore? It doesn't wear well in this new creation. So what are you wearing? What are you wearing? It's not enough to take that stuff off, right? But Paul gives us a real simple, and I love this about this passage. He, he simplifies our wardrobe. I don't know about you, but I, I like a simple wardrobe. In fact, I've been trying, I'm talking to my wife about just moving to a place of just real simple wardrobe. I need one pair of jeans, a couple pairs of pants, maybe a dozen or so shirts, four pairs of shoes, and a couple blazers. That's all I want. I'm working myself down to that wardrobe. Because when you get in front of a a big wardrobe, it's like, I don't know what to put on. But sometimes I'll wear the same pair of pants every day of the week. Come on, guys. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And guess what? Nobody notices. They don't care. The fashion industry, they haven't called me yet. They're not going to call me, right? And so if I can simplify my wardrobe and just make it easier, it makes my life a whole lot easier in the mornings. What if we simplified our spiritual wardrobe? Said, okay, I'm gonna wake up this morning. What am I gonna wear today? Here's what Paul says we should wear. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, he says, compassionate hearts. What if every day 
you woke up and said, one of the staples that I'm going to wear today is compassion. I'm going to enter into somebody else's pain. When's the last time you entered into somebody's pain? I can tell you that uh, a month or two ago, actually it was about three months ago, I, uh, I, I got COVID. I, I thought I was immune to it. I had gone through an entire year and I got it and it got really, really bad. I ended up hospitalized and I would find out later from some of the doctors that they didn't think I was going to make it. It was, it was a, a terrible, terrible situation. And I remember on the, my worst day, Easter Sunday, I wasn't with my family. I wasn't at church. My blood levels were terrible. And this guy walks into my door. He's a doctor. He's wearing a mask. And I thought, okay, here's another doctor. And he goes, hey, I, I'm a doctor, but I'm not your doctor. I go to your church, and I, I heard that you were here, and I know that it's isolating. I know that none of your family could come. And I just thought maybe you could use someone to come in and just encourage you and pray for you. And I'm telling you what, I've prayed for hundreds of people in the hospital before, but I'll never do it the same again. Because when I was in a place of pain, that guy was a lifeline to me. That guy, in fact, I would argue that I began to be healed the moment he prayed over me. Everything started to change for me. My countenance changed because he didn't just hear that I was hospitalized, but chose to be compassionate, chose to enter into my pain. When's the last time somebody entered into your pain? You know what it did for you. And entering into people's pain is hard sometimes because we don't always know what to say. We dealt with the loss of a, a really close friend a couple months ago, and uh, my, our, she used to live with us, was a nanny. Her dad passed away of COVID as well. And our kids, we were driving out to the house that day just to be with them. And it was uncomfortable, and everybody's kind of like, oh, I don't know what to say. And I asked them, I said, hey, do you think that Kiki and Joe, that's what we call them, do you think that they're hoping you're going to come tonight and say something that is so profound that it's going to make all of their pain go away? It was like, no. They don't need you to say anything. They just need you to show up. And when we are followers of Christ and we carry the presence of Jesus and we choose to be compassionate, man, it brings healing to people's lives. It brings healing. So, so what if we just said, you know what, today I'm going to wear compassion. I'm going to think about others more than myself. He, he goes on, he says, kindness. I think the church could use a kindness revolution these days. What if it looked like if you just smiled at people, noticed them, and chose to be kind? chose to believe that even when they're making decisions that you don't agree with, that you don't know all of their story. And when you don't understand somebody's behaviors, there's a really good chance that you don't know a part of their story that they've been walking with. Just be kind. Be kind. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Paul says, hey, well, wear humility today. What does that mean? It just means everything doesn't have to be about you. You don't have to make all the conversations about you, I, I saw humility this morning in, in one of our worship leaders, John. I was talking to him and hadn't met him yet. I said, what do you do around here? He's, I'm just part of the dream team. Then he gets up and just leads us in a powerful way in the presence of God. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're a worship leader. But he's he just humble. Doesn't have to be about him. Paul says, wear humility today. He talks about meekness. We don't use meekness a lot. I doubt you said something to somebody today and said, man, I just admire your, your meekness. That was really meek of you to do it. What is meek? Meek is when we have strength, but we, we restrain it. Jesus was meek. Jesus could have just called down fire from heaven when, when people were persecuting him, but he chose to restrain his strength. 
and, and, and allow things to happen in a natural way. Meekness is just when I, again, I don't have to, very close partners with humility. I don't have to be the center of attention. I don't have to let you know how strong I am. How many of us in our parenting, meekness could serve us well? You know, your kids already know that you're more powerful, that you've got all the chips, but what if you just chose to respond to them with meekness and then patience, patience. It continues to say bearing with each other in love. You know, bearing with each other is a lost art in our culture today. Our culture does not speak highly of bearing with one another. And, and unfortunately, sometimes that seeps into our church culture too. Where somebody, if there's somebody that disagrees with me, if there's somebody that on those earlier labels that we read, you know, that, that, that they, they come from a different background or maybe they see the world differently than me, then what the world says that we do is cancel them. I'm done with you. You hurt me, I'm out. Look up in the New Testament how many times the Bible talks about bearing with one another in love. Man, that is a timely word for us today. We don't cancel people. Jesus didn't cancel people. Jesus canceled sin. And he loved people. Our calling as, as a church is patience. Somebody spouts off on social media something that they shouldn't have, bear with them. Don't cancel them. Seek to understand them. What would it look like for us if we woke up every morning and said, I don't know what other accessories are going to come along, but today I'm going to wear compassion. I'm going to be kind. I, I'm, I'm going to be meek. I'm going to be humble. And I'm going to be patient. And then we wore that. It looked good on us today. And then tomorrow we wake up and, and we get in front of that wardrobe and we say, God, with your help, because I can't do it on my own, could I bear the fruit of compassion today? Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then on Tuesday when we get up, I know it kind of feels like we've worn it already a couple, but I'm just going to wear it. What if, what if for two weeks, the group of people just in this room and those watching online, to the best of our ability, and again, it's not a workspace thing. This isn't something we do. We've already laid down the foundation, right, of, of Jesus is central to all of this. But when we've surrendered our lives to Christ, we position ourselves to bear this fruit. Do you think that maybe somebody would notice? Go, what, what do you have there? What is it that you're doing? Because I need a little bit of that. You've got something on your plate that I think could benefit my life. See, that's the greatest form of evangelism. I love it when a preacher leads people to salvation, and that's awesome. But man, when, when somebody just notices that there's something different about you and wants to be close to that, that's when communities are changed. That's what I love about my experience already today at Front Range. You guys have just been so kind and compassionate. Let's just choose to wear it. And we get tired of wearing it, wear it again. And when you feel like, I don't, just what if every morning we woke up and said, all right, God, these five things, staples to my spiritual wardrobe. So I would ask you again, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? I've got two more questions in five minutes to give them to you, and that's okay. We'll get through. Second question for you in light of this scripture. What are you holding? Can I ask you, what are you holding right now? Is there a grudge? Is there a wound, a pain that you went through that has just kind of defined you versus been something that helped you grow? What are you holding? Look at what Paul says in verse 13. He says, we want to bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. 
As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I hate that he included that. It's like, man, forgive each other. Well, I can come up with some 90% of the stuff, yeah. But there are some things people have done to me, and maybe you feel the same way. Like, really? But then he pulls the ultimate Jesus shoot. Don't forget Jesus forgave you. Oh, that shuts down the conversation, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah. I certainly haven't got all that I deserved because of Jesus' forgiveness in my own life. What are you holding? You know, when we cho- choose to hold on to bur- grudges or unforgiveness, it puts us in a position where God can't put anything else in our hands. Maybe you've been burned at work or mistreated by an employer. Maybe you got overlooked for a promotion. And if you walk up into your workplace every day holding on to that, that slight, that injustice, that mistreatment, you're not going to be positioning yourselves for God to give you that next promotion or whatever his purpose and calling is in your life. What are you holding? You know, COVID has been hard this last season on anybody who leads, right? Anybody have a testimony on leadership was tricky during this last 18 months. And, and I don't think my job or Ernest's job is any harder than anybody else's, but it's been really difficult to figure out how to lead churches during these last season. I mean, do you, when do you shut down? When do you open back up? Do we do an outdoor service, indoor masks, no masks? And everything has been controversial. Every decision that a leader made in the last 18 months has been controversial, even the ones that we didn't think were. And so I, I, I'm telling you this to say, be gentle and gracious to your leadership here. They're doing the very best they can. And next time we have a pandemic, uh, a, a, a financial crisis, a contentious election, uh, 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 all the other stuff that's gone on, we'll be ready for it, right? You know, we're all gonna make mistakes in this season. But for me, this past year, uh, there's been so much good in it. But like everybody else, I've dealt with some hurt. I've had some people in our church that have looked me in the eye and said, dude, I will take a bullet for you. I will be with you. That man, as soon as other people started shooting, it seemed like they grabbed a gun and started shooting too. I, I've had elders leave on social media platforms. Just not only not for, for reasons that not, they actually misjudged me. And it, it's so hard when somebody misjudges your motives and it's, oh. And so, so I'm, I'm walking through all of this and about three months ago, four months ago, I come out to Colorado. Every year I come out here with a few pastor friends and we just do one of these spiritual gut checks like what we're doing today. And as we were processing and praying and doing some hiking, and God led me to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm not gonna preach that story. It's a phenomenal story. They're three men that, that took a stand for God in a culture where nobody else did. And they get thrown into this fiery furnace and, and God shows up, Jesus shows up and, and delivers them from, from what was ultimately gonna definitely be their death. And he delivers them from it. And there's this passage in Daniel chapter three, verse 27, that says, not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. I read that in the mountains three months ago and I felt like God spoke to my heart. And he said, Josh, do you smell like smoke? I've delivered you from this fire, but you still smell like smoke. Every conversation seems to go back to this person that hurt me or this deal that I'm, you know, and it was like, man, oh my gosh, I'm holding on to anger. I'm normally not a very angry man, but I've found myself just very angry with some people. And in the presence of a few brothers in Christ on that mountain, I just said, God, I wanna let it go. I am so done holding on to this. 
And it's just been amazing to see not only what God has done in, in our church and in my life, but just the freedom that I feel not carrying that anymore. What are you holding? You're not a pastor and your issues are different than mine. But chances are you've been hurt in your life. Maybe you felt overlooked. Have you taken on that pain as a part of your identity? Or have you allowed God to use that to grow you into a more compassionate, kind, meek, humble person? What are you wearing? What are you holding? The last question in the band can go ahead and start coming up. What has taken up residency? What has taken up residency in your life? Look what Paul says as we close out this chapter. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, when I read that passage, I thought there's a lot of things that come in and out in our lives. You're going to deal with stress, anxiety, fear, anger, all of those things. They're going to pop up from time to time, right? It's just part of life. But they don't belong as residents. They can be guests from time to time. They can help move us into a place of better health. But they don't belong as residents. You know what belongs according to this scripture? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Oh, I love that. Am I going to deal with fear from time to time? Yeah. But I have to remind myself, it's the peace of God that lives here. That's here day in and day out. That's going to characterize who I am. The word of God dwells richly in me. That means stuff's going to pop up from time to time. I'm going to make mistakes. But the word of God dwells. He's got a key. Some of us have given keys to some guests that should have come for, for, for a little bit of time, but man, they've been staying way too long. And the fruit of that has looked like that first list that we talked about earlier. A lot of rage, maybe a habit, maybe some addiction, maybe some slander, language, whatever it might be. I wanna invite you today in this moment to do something similar to what I did a couple months ago, just a few miles from here. Say, God, would you search me? Lord, I don't want to go into the rest of this year wearing anything that doesn't belong with me in this new creation that you're creating me to be. And so today is a beautiful day because if you came in carrying a fear, burden, stress, anger, hate, we can just leave it. Just leave it. And I'm not saying that all of our problems will be solved like that. Like the cockroach, there may be some help that we need, some cleanup that needs to be done. That's okay. It's going to be a lot easier when we do it now than if we wait and wait and wait. Let it resurface later in our lives. So would you pray with me as we close? God, I just thank you so much. Sense your presence in this place right now, that you're working, you're speaking, you're moving. And so God, I just pray, Lord, as I did earlier, that you would connect the dots. Lord, that for each of us, that we would know that you are speaking directly to us. Some of us, there's some stuff that we are wearing there's some stuff that has taken up residency in our lives that doesn't belong. And so today we do what your scripture tells us to do, which is to repent, which is changing the way we think, turning away from our sin. And Lord, we wanna ask you to take up your rightful place of residency in our spirits today. 
Some of you, you may be here for the very first time. This Jesus stuff hasn't made sense to you, but today something's just kind of clicking for you. And God has brought you to a place of saying, hey, I want you to allow me to take up residency. And if that's you today, I would just encourage you to pray a really simple prayer. It just says, God, would you take up residency in my life? I give you my life. I give you my sin, my shame, my guilt. I just wanna bring it to you. Say, God, I surrender to you. Would you help create a new me? Lord, would you not just take something that was okay and make it better, but you would take it, something that was dead and breathe in it new life, new life into that relationship, into that marriage, into that whatever it might be. And watch as God does an amazing thing. For all of us that are here today, would you just search your heart? Anything that doesn't belong, just say, God, today we're giving it to you. We're moving into a new place of peace where your word would dwell richly in us. God, I love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person that's here today. And I pray that you would bless them, that you would lead them in your way. In Jesus' name, amen.